This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. We're going to talk about the 12 debt do's and don'ts from licensed insolvency trustee Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. We're going to learn 12 debt, what 12 things that debt experts do, the do's and the don'ts for better managing your debt and avoiding common pitfalls because we know that they exist. So Blair's going to share the 12 debt expert tips for regaining control of your debt and avoid those pitfalls and debt traps. And Blair, you and your team from Sands and Associates help people all around the province who are looking for solutions to deal with their debt. What are some of the reasons people might be seeking a licensed insolvency trustee? You know, there's a ton of different reasons that bring someone to our doors. Quite often, it's a life event. It's something that happened, you know, oftentimes people were going along just fine. And then maybe there was a massive global pandemic, for example, which we're seeing a ton Hmm. of the impact of that now. Uh, Or maybe they lost their job or they got sick or a family member got sick um, or they got divorced. You know, any of those really critical life events where oftentimes the finances take a hit and maybe, you know, you have to rely on emergency funds if they're there. Uh, If they're not there, well, then oftentimes people start relying on credit. And then once you get into that cycle of borrowing, it can be very difficult to break that cycle and get out of it. So the reasons why people come to a trustee, they're diverse, they're, you know, as as many different reasons as there are people, but it's usually there's some external shock to the system. There's something that's put the person in a tough situation and they just need some help to move forward. And I think too, you know, I just want to throw in the fact that a licensed insolvency trustee is regulated and empowered to do so much more than than all the other debt uh, debt help experts that we talk about regularly on the show. And and I just want to remind folks of that. Yeah, that's so important, Elaine. It's it. I say this all the time, but the consumer-friendly uh, debt regulations in Canada are amongst the best in the world. We have great legislation to help give people protection, to protect their wages, to help get them restructure their debts, get out of debt without bankruptcy. But you have to know about them, and you have to know which professional is going to help you access them. And a licensed insolvency trustee is the only person that's enabled to use this legislation to help you get a fresh start. So as long as you're dealing with a trustee, you're going to get access to some of the best consumer protection legislation I think that exists around the world. Wow, that's really, that's very cool to know. Uh, and it also brings us nicely to the first one. And, that, and it wasn't really planned, but we really need to be careful about where we get our debt advice from. That's so true, Elaine. So, um, you know, if you had a medical problem, you'd want to go to the right specialist that's a, that's in that area. Dental problems, same type of thing. When it comes to debt, if you're seeing a, a debt help professional, you have to make sure it's truly the right one. And not all professionals within the financial sector, even within the financial debt help sector, um, are created equal. So you need to make sure you are reaching out to a specific licensed insolvency trustee if it's a debt issue. If you have questions about insurance, investments, you know, different things, you 
you go to different professionals, but the one person you need to know if it's a debt situation is an LIT, licensed insolvency trustee. Uh, quite often, people will end up getting advice from various people in their lives. So it's often, you know, very well-intentioned uh, friends and family, um, and they're trying to do the best for you, but they might not have all of the facts. So you really do need to make sure um, that even though, you know, great personal relationships are one thing, but you're getting the right professional advice to help you deal with the tough situation. Um, also, as you start to look online, it can feel completely overwhelming. Uh, you will find consultants that say they'll help you to navigate the situation. They'll get in between you and a trustee and represent you. Uh, my advice is never engage with those types of services and certainly don't pay. Every trustee in Canada offers a free confidential consultation. Um, and generally, especially at Sands and Associates, you'll know from the start that we're committed to your success, not here to judge you, just here to help you get the help that you need. Yeah, I think that's really important. If somebody's offering you advice and you have to pay for it, yeah, it doesn't sound like that would be good advice. Yeah, and there's often a lot of misleading claims, a lot of high-pressured sales tactics, advertising, you know, claimings for instant credit repair and, you know, restructure your debts with no impact to your credit. Uh, I'm sorry, but that just does not exist. So, you know, there's a lot of laws about truth in advertising, but they don't seem to apply in the debt marketplace. So it really is buyer beware. And if it sounds too good to be true, uh, it generally is. And always check it with a licensed insolvency trustee. So if you still think that you want to go it alone, we're going to talk about that in our in the next segment. Uh, but if you already know that you need some help and you need to talk to somebody federally regulated who's going to help you in such a significant, uh, structured way, you want to call Sands & Associates. And this is their number. It's 1-800-661-3030. So let's say, Blair, I come to you and say, you know what? I think I want to go it alone. What, what would be your, your first couple of things that you would, that you would want, want me to know before I walked out your door? Yeah, you know, a couple of really key things. And definitely if someone feels they can get out of a debt problem under their own steam, that's great. We're here as a resource, but it doesn't mean everybody has to take a professional debt restructuring solution just by meeting with us. So if you want to do it yourself, my biggest piece of advice um, is the whole idea. If you find yourself in a hole, the first thing you do is stop digging. And when it comes to credit, you got to stop using your credit. So I've seen too many times when people say, okay, we're going to get a consolidation loan. Uh, they've got the consolidation loan and all those cards that were consolidated, they didn't stop using them. And then suddenly they've got a consolidation loan. And then a couple of years later, those balances are back up. So you really need to make sure that if it's a, a temporary event that triggered your use, your need to use credit, that you're through that event, that you know you're going to be able to have a budget that balances on a monthly basis. If there's still a gap in your budget, um, it requires you to use credit every month, well, then you're not setting yourself up for long-term success. So you have to be in a position where you can stop using any new credit and pay down that old debt if you're going to have any success in a self-directed strategy. Cool. What about getting organized? I would think that that would be something that I would have to do pretty quick off the, off the top. Yeah, that's, that's important. And, you know, sometimes that can feel daunting for somebody, but you really need to, to have a clear picture of the numbers. You need to have an inventory of how much you owe to who, what are their payment dates, what are the total balances, the monthly payment requirements, even the small bills like a cell phone. If that's neglected, well, not only might they cut you off, but they're the first ones to ding your credit and anything negative on your credit can be there for years. So you really want to make sure that you're organized, you know when things are due. And then I also recommend you check your credit history at least once a year. I don't think you should pay any fees for this. Um, both credit bureaus will send you a, a hard copy report once a year at no charge. And then you want to make sure there's nothing on there that you don't recognize. 
and your debts that you're you know successfully paying down, you're getting the benefit of that by having those reflecting on your credit report. So not something you need to monitor every month or even every six months, but I'd say at least once a year, um, take a look at your long form credit report. It always surprises me when I hear from people. I don't hear it too much anymore, but I remember when I was working regularly in an office full of people, some people never did their taxes. And I just thought, Mm -hmm. that seems crazy to me (laughs) that you wouldn't fill your, you know, file your income tax every year. But lots of folks don't do it. Yeah, and I know for myself, Elaine, I start to get the shakes if I'm getting close to April and I don't have things already submitted to to the accountants. But, you know, that's just me and the world that I live in. Um, You know, very close people to me in my life, they file their taxes about every three years. And even though wow. they get refunds and they're given the government, you know, an interest-free loan for three years, it's just that much of an emotional burden. So I understand, you know, people can have certain mental blocks when it comes to taxes, um, but you really do need to just, you know, take that bite every year, whether it's working with an accountant or downloading, um, you know, the software, you know, can buy the tax software at Costco for pretty darn cheap and get most tax returns done in 20 or 30 minutes. Um, but if you don't do it, you can find yourself in very stressful situations like you're scrambling to receive benefits you're entitled to. Um, I had one client who has some severe medical costs, hasn't filed his taxes in a few years, and he's threatening to be cut off from the provincial pharmacare subsidy. So we've got to get those taxes done really quickly. Um, And even if you owe CRA money, it's still in your interest to file. CRA looks at compliance as their number one aspect. And if you're compliance, even if you have a balance owing with them, but you filed all the returns, you're going to get a whole lot better treatment than somebody who doesn't file the return returns for many years, CRA figures out they owe them money and takes harder steps against the non-filer than the person that did actually satisfy that requirement each year. Okay. Um, the the idea of making monthly payments on credit cards or, or mistaking minimum monthly payments is what I meant to say, minimum monthly payments, uh, thinking that you're getting ahead, that's the exact opposite. You You mm-hmm. just so aren't. And I think that's such an important thing for folks to really look at. Yeah. And this I overhear all the time just in conversation. And obviously I, I want to be not the guy that jumps into other people's conversation, but just the amount of times I hear people say, oh yeah, I've got a balance, but it's okay. I pay the minimum each month. I'm fine. My credit rating is fine. I probably heard that, you know, 10 times in just the last few months. Um, and it's the whole idea of you're, you're doing something, but are, or, you know, you're taking an action, but are you actually achieving anything? And when someone starts to look at where does your minimum payment go, it's often 90 to 95% of that minimum payment is just clearing the interest each month and you will literally be in debt for decades. So don't confuse activity with achievement. Just because you're making those minimum payments, you might not be moving yourself closer to getting out of debt in any reasonable time frame. Can you explain that rule of 60? I think this is always interesting when I hear it and and it makes such good sense. Yeah, this is a really good, you know, 30 second check that you can do just to see, okay, am I in a situation where I would need some debt help? And the whole idea is to take all of your non-mortgage or non-car loan debt, essentially your unsecured debts like credit cards, lines of credit, student loans, so on and so forth, and divide that by 60. And that would be the payment you would have to make if you forgot about all interest charges to get you out of debt within five years. If it works out and you say, oh, yeah, that's a payment that I can I can easily do. OK, well, then even if you're paying some interest, as long as you're able to make that payment, you're not going to be in debt for decades. You might be OK. As soon as you start to look at that payment, you say, oh, my gosh, for me to be out of debt in five years, it's going to take this amount per month. And I can't even pay close to that amount. That's a great indication that you would benefit from speaking with a licensed insolvency trustee 
because quite often what a proposal is going to do is take that rule of 60 math, probably cut it in half or down to a third, something along those lines. So it can be a dramatic improvement. Uh, I don't think anybody should be looking at a scenario where they're paying off their unsecured debts for any greater than a five-year period. Okay. Now, we've only got about a minute and a half left in this, and we want to be on time. So can you sort of do a, a Reader's Digest version of the last couple of points? Because they're all very important ones. Yeah, I think these are ones that are, are so important for people to know. So we'll go a little bit quick, but on the don't side... Don't borrow from family and friends, and please do not co-sign debt for anybody else or don't seek anybody else to co-sign. Uh, it adds emotional dimension to a financial transaction. And when you co-sign for somebody, you're signed to be responsible for the full amount, not just a 50-50, which a lot of people assume. So be very, very careful. Uh, what's it do is to keep your RRSPs intact. So be very careful. If you've got RRSPs, you might have saved your whole working life to, to, to preserve, and you have a bunch of debt, regardless of what anybody tells you those are fully protected assets just because a collection agent might say you got to cash those in to pay me that is a complete lie the government changed the laws more than 10 years ago to protect all rrsps even in a bankruptcy so never cash in an rrsp to pay debt you're going to end up being charged taxes you're not going to have the retirement when you need it so that's hugely important uh, another don't is don't make your credit rating your highest priority. What you need to focus on is being debt free. Your credit rating will change. It can go up and down over a period of even just a couple of years. And even folks who file for bankruptcy, they can be qualifying for a mortgage as soon as two or three years after the proceeding. You will recover. You will be better off. And I'll look after the last two, which are believe that you owe it to yourself to get help and don't delay getting help. And this is how you do it. Sands and Associates, you give them a call, 1-800-661-3030 for that sit-down appointment or that Zoom appointment to look at your situation and be able to take some kind of action on it or check out their website, sands-trustee.com. This segment is talking about a consumer proposal, which you may or may not have already heard about, and bankruptcy, which seems to be the big word that we've all heard before. Uh, we're going to talk about the difference between them. And while both a consumer proposal and personal bankruptcy are legal debt solutions, they are definitely not the same. And there's some key differences between them. So Blair Manton is going to help us understand and compare the consumer proposal and the personal bankruptcy. So, Blair, let's begin at the beginning of this. Can you start by explaining what it means to file a bankruptcy and what a consumer proposal is? Well, certainly, Elaine. And, you know, in general and in, in summary, filing a bankruptcy is probably not as bad as you think, uh, but it is a serious legal remedy. Uh, it's available to anybody who finds themselves uh, with more debt than they're able to handle. And it's a federally legislated legal process. It's governed by the Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act in Canada, and it helps you eliminate virtually all of your debts and get a financial fresh start. Uh, what's important to know is that nobody can stop you from getting the, the relief that you need if you need to file for bankruptcy. You can't be prevented from filing for bankruptcy. You don't need to get permission from the creditors or from the courts. Uh, you work with a licensed insolvency trustee. And the first step is just to have that free consultation that we talk about so much on the show here. And what's interesting for us as trustees is so many people come into our office or meet us online these days. 
and they're resigned to their fact. They think that bankruptcy is the only option that's available to them because they know they can't pay the debts off in full, but they're quite surprised to learn there's actually another legal debt solution in Canada, which is what I've called a unique debt settlement option called a consumer proposal. And a consumer proposal has grown in popularity um, to such an extent that now about 85% of the people that see a licensed insolvency trustee, they're not filing a bankruptcy, they're actually filing a consumer proposal. And what a consumer proposal allows you to do is to consolidate, so put all of your debts together, and then settle them for less than you owe by making a deal with your creditors. So usually you're offering to pay off a percentage of the debt, you're going to make some monthly payments, and then your creditors agree to forgive the unpaid balance and consider the debts as paid in full, even though you've paid just the portion that you can afford. Uh, consumer proposal, it's a non-borrowing debt consolidation option, where again, you just repay the part of the debt that you're able to afford. It might be 20 cents, 30 cents in the dollar, something like that, with no interest charged, which that's just a huge lifesaver to people because the interest can just run away on certain high cost debts and with no added fees. And what's incredibly powerful too, uh, is that a proposal can reduce the debt um, often by as much as 50 to 80, even 90% sometimes depending on the debt. So it stops the debt from running away from you with all the interest, but it actually reduces it down to what you can really afford to pay. Excellent. Now, we know by doing this show and talking about this, that a licensed insolvency trustee is the only person or entity in this country that can facilitate either a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy. And it's just really important because we get inundated with all this information from all kinds of sources. And the fact is, it's a licensed insolvency trustee that's the only one that's legally allowed to do this work. Well, absolutely, Elaine. And there's a few similarities between a bankruptcy and a proposal. And that's one of the main similarities. It's the same person that can help you file a bankruptcy is the only person that can actually help you file a consumer proposal as well. So it might seem a bit counterintuitive, but the best person to help you avoid the bankruptcy um, is the licensed insolvency trustee that would actually help you file the bankruptcy. So sometimes people hesitate to reach out because they think the only tool in a trustee's toolbox is a bankruptcy, where again, 85% of the time, it's not. It's, it's actually people choosing to file a proposal. Uh, another similarity between a bankruptcy and a proposal is that virtually all of your debts can be included in either of these legal processes. They can either be fully forgiven if you do a personal bankruptcy filing um, or partially settled but considered paid in full um, if you do a consumer proposal. And both remedies automatically freeze your debt. They stop all the future interest charges and they give you that relief that you need. They halt any ongoing collection actions. Um, any wage garnishments. Um, so in addition to some basic debts, like the things you'd always think about, credit cards, loans, lines of credit, and payday loans, uh, consumer proposals or personal bankruptcy are the only options that the government will accept to reduce or negotiate or even have them forgiven uh, any amounts that you owe to the government, including income tax debt, student loans, serve overpayment, you know, just about any amount of a government debt, it can only be reduced or eliminated um, either with a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy. Uh, what's important to know too, as where I said, in a bankruptcy, you don't need the 
the permission of your creditors to file a bankruptcy. In a proposal, you don't need the permission of your creditors to file a proposal, but like any proposal in life, it can either be accepted or rejected. And the way a proposal gets accepted is all we need to get is 50% by dollar value of the people that you owe money to, to vote to accept that proposal. And if you owe the bank slightly more than you owe the government, it doesn't matter if the government doesn't want to accept this proposal, for example, as soon as we get over 50% of the debts voting yes on the proposal, it's automatically accepted and all creditors are bound by the terms of the proposal. So it's a very powerful debt solution. And at Sands and Associates, I'm really proud to say our consumer proposals are almost always accepted by creditors. So it's about 95% of the time on the first offer, we're able to get an accepted proposal. It's up to 99% success rate if we have to do a bit of negotiating or provide a little bit of information to creditors to get them to, to accept the proposal. Now, I also think it's important to, to note, too, that Sands & Associates offers some counseling as part of this package. Yeah, and that's another commonality between the, the two remedies is in both a consumer proposal and a personal bankruptcy. You know, the idea is you're in a tough situation uh, for whatever the reason is. We don't judge when you come to see us. We focus on solutions, but the government requires and we fully endorse the idea that some people just need a little bit of counseling, um, some budgetary tips, some help to rebuild their credit, uh, even just some insight on how the credit rating industry actually works and what you can do to get things back on track. So either in both a consumer a proposal and a bankruptcy, you attend at least two private one-on-one -on -one financial counseling sessions that focus on all the things that I've mentioned, you know, the general money management, financial goal setting, uh, and then getting your credit uh, score and, and report, you know, back rehabilitated to a good state when you're finished with these remedies. So those are some of the similarities and sort of the things that are, are the same in both the work that you would do on a consumer proposal or filing a bankruptcy. Uh, and so before we talk about the differences between the two, um, I just want to throw in that if you already know that you need to take some action, that it's time or someone you know needs to take some action and you want to, you want to work further, go, you know, work with them or, or work ahead on this, give Sands and Associates a call. This is their phone number to put, make that first appointment. one 800 661-3030. Okay, Blair, so let's talk about the differences in filing personal bankruptcy and making a consumer proposal. Yeah, certainly. Well, a big difference is how long the process will take, you know, the length of time to complete it until you're debt free. So a consumer proposal, it's tailored to each unique situation. So a proposal could be for as short as one or two months. It might even be a single lump sum payment that perhaps a family member or a friend wants to help you just settle the debts very quickly or it can be for up to 60 months in duration with the right to pay it off sooner if you're able to at any point. Terms of 24 to 48 months are most common, um, but again, the duration could be just about any, any length from one month up to 60 months, no longer than that. Uh, where personal bankruptcy, the duration of a personal bankruptcy, it's not based on you paying back a certain amount of the debt or based on um, anything like that. It's mainly based on your income. And most people are surprised to hear, they generally think, you know, bankruptcy takes seven years. It takes nowhere near that amount of time. For someone who's never filed for bankruptcy before, if they're considered low income, bankruptcy starts and finishes inside of nine months. So if someone filed bankruptcy January 1st, by September, they could be discharged. It can be that quick. And if somebody is not considered low income, the duration on that is 21 months or a year difference. Now, I sometimes get asked, okay, if I'm in a bankruptcy and I know what my obligations are, can I pay it off sooner to 
exit that process sooner and you cannot. So bankruptcy is a different process. The minimum time would be at least nine months for a first time bankruptcy and could be 21 months uh, if someone is not low income and is filing bankruptcy for the first time. Uh, another big difference is on the credit rating impact. So a bankruptcy, uh, if someone's never been bankrupt before, it, it registers as an R9 credit rating. Now, R1 is perfect. You've never missed any payments. Things are great. Uh, R9 is at the other end of the spectrum where you filed for bankruptcy or perhaps been sued for debts. And when a bankruptcy is finished, so it could be after those nine months, that R9 rating is going to be there uh, for up to six years. After six years, it drops off as though the bankruptcy didn't happen. Uh, but there is a six-year credit impact after you file a bankruptcy. Uh, where it's a consumer proposal, it's less severe to begin with. So instead of R9, it's R7. So not close to R1, you're still getting a compromise on your debt, not able to pay things back as agreed. Um, but it shows for the shorter of three years after you complete the proposal. So if it was a single lump sum proposal, um, you know, three years after that payment is made, the proposal would drop off the credit report. Um, or the longest it could ever be on there is six years from the day that it's signed. So for a lot of folks, if they choose to do a 60 month proposal, for example, literally a year after they've made that last payment, their proposal is off their credit report at that point. It's no longer having any negative impact. But it's also important to note that you don't need to wait until something drops off your credit to start rebuilding your credit re report and your credit score. Uh, most people, even after a bankruptcy, which is again more severe than a proposal, if they take the right steps, which is often getting a secured credit card, uh, making sure they don't go over 50% of their credit limits on any credit that they do have, it's as little as two to three years where someone can have a much better credit rating than when they started with the official proceeding. Got it. Blair, can we talk about a little bit about how somebody might know? We've got about a minute or so mm -hmm. left in this segment. How someone would know whether a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy is their best option? Can we dial that down and, and what are the nubs that people can take away? Mm -hmm. Yeah, how you would know is you would get some really good advice. You'd sit down with a licensed insolvency trustee who'll always provide you with a free consultation to evaluate the entire situation um, and look at what are all the attributes, what are your objectives, and what's going to fit best. A couple of things to consider is if you're able to make some payments on your debts, uh, but you're not able to pay the full amount um, in, in totality, uh, a proposal might be a good option, but it also depends how much is the debt relative to your income. We sometimes have folks come in who they're there's been an ICBC accident where it's just, you know, hundreds of thousands or even a million dollars of debt doing a consumer proposal to even pay off 10% of that debt just might be insurmountable. Uh, there are certain occupations where being in a bankruptcy proceeding is not allowed. An insurance agent is one of those. Or if you're going to be sponsoring a new immigrant to Canada, you can't do that uh, if you're in a bankruptcy. So there can be some unique circumstances in each situation. But the most clear rule of thumb is obviously first get advice, but then just consider if you didn't have to pay any interest and you could pay back say 20 or 30 percent of the debt with monthly payments would that fit into your budget if the answer is yes you'd probably be an outstanding candidate for a consumer proposal so the idea folks connect with a friendly debt expert who cares they're all at sands and associates you can book your free confidential consultation at sands and associates and here's the phone number again 1-800-661-3030 you're listening to dollars and cents Making debt payments can feel never-ending, but being debt-free might be closer than you think. Blair's going to share some tips with us on how to prioritize paying off your debt and why this should be a top financial goal for all British Columbians.
So Blair, as a licensed debt help expert, what are some of the top reasons you encourage people to prioritize becoming debt free? Well, every situation is different, of course, but there's at least three reasons I can think of of why paying off your debt should be an important and a high priority financial goal. Let's just go through each of them. You know, the first one, this is just quite obvious, is debt is expensive. Um, anytime you borrow, uh, by definition, you're typically going to be paying back more than what you borrowed. There's a price to pay for interest charges, fees, and more. And debt can get really expensive if you're carrying some of what we call the top offender debts, things like credit cards. Um, you know, they can be between 18 and 28% or higher on interest rates. Uh, and even worse, if you've taken some cash advances because you don't even get that interest-free grace period that, you know, typically we count on when we make purchases. Um, even worse than that is payday loans or some fast cash or installment loans, a two-week payday loan can be an annual interest rate of more than 400%. The mind wow. just boggles when, when you look at that. And so many of my clients, uh, they just get stuck into a cycle where they need a second payday loan to pay the first, a third to pay the second, and then suddenly you're, you're, you're juggling you know, six or more or 10 or more payday loans and you haven't slept in weeks because you're trying to rob Peter to pay Paul. So it can just be a very tough cycle. Uh, even Canada Revenue Agents balances for tax debt, uh, they charge interest daily. There can be late filing penalties, um, diff different things that can really cause that tax debt to escalate. Uh, and when you're dealing with someone like Canada Revenue Agency, they've got more power than any other creditor to really hurt you, to start to seize your assets, seize your wages. So that's the type of debt that you can't ignore. Um, so you, what sometimes happens when you're in debt is you feel like your creditors are in charge of your money because you are impacted by their interest rate hikes. They they can bump up your charges if you miss a payment and they can just add things on. If you're suddenly over the limit, you might say, well, I'm over the limit because you charged me fees. Well, it doesn't matter. Pay us. And they just keep adding to your balance. So the first reason is that debt is expensive. Uh, the second reason is that debt stops you from making the most of your income. When you borrow money today, you're taking money away from your future self and often both in the short and the long term. And if you think about it, you know, if you've got $300 each month that's going to your credit card, you know, what else could you use that money for if you didn't have to make that balance month in and month out? And sometimes you end up with such a, a too tight budget or some challenges to meet your cost of living. Uh, and then suddenly all of your money is going to debt payments and you're not focused at all in your future goals. You might not be able to save for a home or save for retirement. Um, you know, we often caution that a credit score isn't everything, but if you have a financial goal like getting a mortgage or even a car loan in the next few years um, and you want to get the best possible interest rates, you need to be cognizant that if you've got a high credit utilization ratio, which typically means if your balance is $1,000 on your credit card and your credit limit is $1,500, you're at two-thirds utilization. That's a warning sign. Most most creditors or, or, or lenders want to make sure you're under 50% on your balances so that they make sure if you're going to get into an obligation with them, you're going to be able to, to make that obligation to, to pay it off. Um, and when you're, again, your money's going to your, your debt, you're not able to boost your savings, not able to put away that emergency fund. Um, so the second reason, again, is just the impacts that it has on your income and your ability to future goals. Uh, the third reason is just the stress. And we hear day in and day out of how 
terrible it can feel to be in a hopeless situation where you know you're just constantly worrying about your debt and for three and five people to reach out to our help for our help it was overwhelming stress was the the warning sign for them it wasn't they were being sued for their debt uh, or getting called you know 10 times a day somewhere and some weren't but over three and five people said it was just feeling stressed thinking about the debt all of the time and not able to enjoy their regular life so there's a lot of big reasons why being debt-free is a priority but there's just three of the main ones Excellent. And, you know, with that stress, you don't know, often you don't even know how much stress you're feeling until it's off of you. And then you go, oh, oh, yeah, I remember what this used, what this felt like before. I, I wasn't worrying cons constantly about one specific thing. So, yeah, I'm sure stress plays a huge role. I know yeah, we're going to talk about. Yeah, sorry, go. Yeah. Oh, say just consistently from our clients, that idea of a feeling of lightness, of a weight being lifted. And so many people say, I didn't realize how much it was affecting me until it was gone. Because sometimes exactly. it's just, you know, the drip, drip, drip every month. It just the burden gets heavier. And then when suddenly it's lifted, you, you just can't believe how much better life can be. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know we're going to talk about some strategies that folks may want to consider to get uh, their debt, uh, their debt paid down a bit faster. Um, I just want to remind you the phone number for Sands and Associates is 1-800-661-3030. They have offices all over British Columbia. Their website's terrific if you want to access them through that. And that's sands-trustee.com. So let's talk about those strategies, Blair, that folks may want to consider uh, in order to get some help, uh, get that debt paid down a bit faster. What are they? Yeah, there's a couple things you can consider if the debt is what you would consider to be manageable, meaning that you think you can get out of it under your standard income, you can just do a little bit of budgetary adjustments and you'll be able to pay it off yourself. Uh, a couple of strategies, one is to focus your extra payments on your high interest debt first. So make all the payments, all the minimums on your debt each month, but then you try to save money by reducing your ongoing interest charges by putting the highest interest debt at the top of the list for any extra money you have to make payments. So it might be a hundred dollars to three different creditors you've got an extra fifty dollars left over you're going to pay that to the one that's charging you 24 percent interest and not put anything extra on the debts that are charging you 18 percent interest for example so that can work if it's a small amount of debt smallish relative to your budget and your income um, and just the idea of saving yourself the interest charges by not sprinkling all the money around all the time making sure the minimums are paid but really directing most of your money when you have it um, to go towards the highest interest cost debt cost debt so that can be one strategy. Uh, another strategy is sometimes you just want to get some momentum and you might say, you know, I've got five different debts. You know, a couple of them are just for a few hundred dollars, maybe just under a thousand dollars. I just want to get those balances gone because then I'm going to feel like I'm, I'm making some progress here. So even though they might not be your highest interest cost debt, you might just want to focus your extra payments towards the debts um, that are you're just going to be able to eliminate within a few months and then you'll be able to see progress instead of having five creditors you're paying each month, you know, maybe it's down to four, then down to three. So a lot of folks that we deal with these strategies, you know, they're nice in theory, but when they're saying, you know, I'm barely making the minimum payments at all, I've got nothing extra that I can pay on any of my debts. That's when you need to essentially bring in the heavy hitters a little bit, uh, which is to consider doing something like a consumer proposal where you can consolidate and reduce the debt. So rather than having to prioritize highest interest or smallest balance, a proposal is going to bring the interest to zero on all of the debts and then actually give 
give you a payment that you can afford, which is hopefully going to leave you a whole lot more money in your budget uh, than you had before. Uh, it's, I don't think I've ever filed a proposal where it wasn't a significantly lower payment than what someone was already paying on their minimum payments. And in a proposal, it's not the never, never plan. You're going to be out of debt. Five years is the longest ever a proposal can be, and you can pay it off sooner at any point if you're able to. So it does give you a clear idea of when you can become debt free. And I guess the number one strategy for folks, because all of these mean taking action. And I, I think that's mm -hmm. probably the most important thing, hey, is to take some kind of action. And if you don't know, if you don't know what action to take, calling you would be, calling Sands and Associates would be right up there. Yeah, I think one of the biggest pitfalls that I see is people get a false sense of comfort when they say, I'm making all my minimum payments, you know, that's okay, I'm doing what I need to do, and their credit rating might look great. We call that the minimum payment trap. And it's as simple as something like a debt of $6,000, which most people wouldn't say is, you know, uh, the, the worst you could be, that could be 40 years of minimum payment, and you will have paid that debt off multiple times over based on interest charges. So it can be a realization from people to see that minimum payments are not designed to get you out of debt, they're designed to keep you in debt as long as possible and maximize the amount of interest that you pay. So don't have a false sense of comfort. If all you're doing is paying the minimum payments, you're really not moving yourself ahead financially. You're just making a whole lot of profits for the people that have loaned you money. And if you've been a listener to this show, you, we've often talked about how people hesitate. They wait before they take action. And, and this is a perfect opportunity. If you're feeling the stress and you know that you, you're in a situation that you need some help with, now's the time to take that action. Uh, just taking an hour to connect with somebody who knows about debt and how they can help you and with, with a plan to become debt free. It's such, so easy to do by calling 1-800-661-3030 and or visiting the website at Sands and Associates at sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. We're going to talk about debt consolidation and really look at whether it's a good thing or a bad so that we really understand it. Debt consolidation can help you streamline debt payments, pay off debts faster, but there are pros and cons. They might be different types of debt consolidation you should be aware of. In Regardless of where you are on this, Blair Manton, who's president of Sands & Associates, is going to explain it to us. So Blair, can you explain how a ba basic debt consolidation works and why someone might consider consolidating? Well, sure, Elaine. So debt consolidation, what we mean when we say that is combining multiple different debts that you might already have into one new balance. And it can be a strategy you want to consider that if you want some help to pay down your debt faster, um, have a clear repayment schedule or a plan. Usually when you consolidate, it's for um, you know an idea that you're going to be out of debt at a certain date as opposed to just making minimum payments. Uh, it simplifies your finances. So rather than having to juggle various different pay dates to different institutions, it's generally just a single payment that you make each month. And ideally, it's going to save you some money because you're going to at least reduce your interest charges and hopefully your overall monthly payments. Uh, there are two main ways people can consolidate their debt. The most common one, the one that think people generally think about first, is by working with a lender. And when you work with a lender, you might get a loan that you use to pay off all of your existing debt. So maybe you have three or four different credit cards and you borrow from the bank enough money to pay off all of those cards. And then you're going to pay the bank back over a set term. 
Uh, sometimes debt consolidation can take the form of a balance transfer where you move your credit card balances onto a new credit card account and you've got to manage your own monthly payments there because credit cards are not for a fixed term. You have to make sure you're paying enough to actually get out of debt. Uh, sometimes you might get a personal line of credit where you'll pay back through payments again that you will manage. You have to make sure that goes down over time. And then sometimes people will consolidate by adding some money to their mortgage, maybe a home equity line of credit or a second mortgage where you can make some set payments or you might even just pay interest only, uh, which again, if you're only paying interest only, you're not actually driving the balance down. So a lot of people consider those options first of borrowing to consolidate the debt, but there's actually a wonderful alternative of debt consolidation called a consumer proposal. And a lot of people don't think about that when they start to consolidate their debt, but there's some big differences and benefits uh, to doing a consumer proposal. But first off, what it means when you do a consumer proposal is you combine virtually all of your debts, including common consumer debts, any personal debts, and even government debts into a single repayment plan. And in a proposal, you offer to repay the portion of the debt that you can afford to pay back. It's usually not the full amount unless you can clearly afford that. It's usually a significant discount on that. And the maximum term for a consumer proposal is five years. So you know exactly when your debt-free date is going to be when you start the proposal. When you do a proposal, your creditors will agree to forgive the unpaid balance, which often reduces the balance by 50 to 80%. Um, and your debts are automatically frozen the day you file a proposal proposal, not a single dollar is added to your interest anymore. So that's just a huge relief for folks. Um, you have to work with a licensed insolvency trustee who takes over the communications with your creditors, collects your payments, distributes them to your creditors, and administers the whole process. So before we talk about um, the benefits to consolidating, uh, which there are a number to, to think about, and if you want to know now that you want to talk to somebody about how to do this, or, or at least to take a look at how to manage your debt better, regardless of the way you're going to do it, this is the phone number for Sands & Associates. It's 1-800-661-3030. Okay, Blair, so what are the benefits or some of the benefits to consolidating your debt? Well, it depends on which option you're choosing, whether it's a borrowing option or a non-borrowing option. Both have their benefits, and we'll talk also some potential drawbacks. In terms of benefits, if you're using a lender to consolidate your debt, generally you'll want to get benefits like, as we talked about, one simple monthly payment that's going to make your finances easier to manage. Um, you're ideally going to pay back the consolidated debt at a lower interest rate and at a term short enough that you're going to save money on the overall cost of the debt. Um, ideally, your monthly payment is going to be smaller than what you were paying on all of the debts individually because the interest charges are hopefully going to be lower. And then you should have a schedule. The best types of debt consolidation loans are going to be for a fixed term. They're not going to be for 10 plus years. Hopefully, they're just for a few years um, to get you out of debt on a reasonable time frame. Now, if you're looking at a consumer proposal to consolidate your debt, there's even more benefits than working with a lender because the biggest thing, is, as I mentioned earlier, is you're paying back the affordable portion of the debt. That might be as little as 20 cents in the dollar. It might be as high as 100, but typically it's quite low. It's often 20 to 30 cents on the dollar, and that gives a full settlement of your account balances with a flexible and customized monthly payment. And because most people are cutting their debt significantly and everyone is not paying an additional dollar of interest charges, consumer proposal payments are usually substantially lower than the combined monthly payments or even any debt consolidation loan. 
Uh, what's really powerful when you do a consumer proposal is you get professional support through the process. So financial counseling services, there's no fees that are added to your debt services, to your debt payments. The trustee steps in the middle between you and your creditors, make sure all the communications go through them. And that can be a huge stress relief, uh, can really uh, lessen the anxiety people are feeling when they have to deal with a bunch of different lenders and maybe signing on for something they're not sure they can afford. Doing a consumer proposal, it has to be affordable and your trustee is going to help be the buffer between you and the people that you owe money to. And what are the downsides to debt consolidation? And are there a, are there a lot of them? Well, the biggest one, if you're consolidating with a lender, is it's pretty darn tough to qualify, especially these days. So quite often, a lender would say, well, you're already struggling with these debts. If we go and pay off all of these debts, what are the guarantees you're going to actually pay back this consolidated debt? So quite often, if you try to borrow to consolidate your debt, the lenders would say, well, the only way we're going to approve you is if you get a co-sign or somebody else to sign on the dotted line to be responsible, which is generally a very bad idea, um, or if you agree to pledge some major assets as collateral, you know, maybe put up your car, for example, or maybe cash in some investments. So that can be incredibly risky. And I understand from the lender's perspective, they want to have a guarantee that they get repaid. Uh, but sometimes you have to think, well, if the bank's not willing to approve me for a consolidation loan, what do they know that I don't? Maybe I'm going to really have trouble. I'm going to struggle to repay this. Uh, when you do a consolidation loan, if you are approved, um, you have to make sure you can actually afford it, that the interest charges, even if they're less, are still something that's going to fit into your your budget. And you have to be careful too. You're not going to be stuck into what we call a borrow, repay, borrow cycle uh, if you don't stop using your credit. So I've seen it too often where people have qualified for a consolidation loan, all their other balances were paid down to zero, and they just had to start using credit again. And then a couple of years later, they're at the point where they owe the consolidation loan and the balances that were previously at zero are now back up again. So you really have to look deep into your budget, into your living situation, and make sure that you can afford any type of lender-based consolidation that you do. And there really isn't any downside, because we talk about consumer proposals all the time, but there really isn't any downside to a consumer proposal. A am I right to assume that? Well, they, they counteract most of the negatives that I've just talked about. You're not borrowing, you're not paying any interest, you don't need a credit score or any qualifying factors, you keep all of your assets, there's no co-signer, and you start fresh. You can build new credit right away to reestablish yourself. You know, the only potential downside is that there is a notation on your credit report for a period of time. If it's a five-year proposal, literally a year after it's paid off, that notation is gone. So it's not a permanent mark against you, it's something you can clearly recover from. And what's great with a consumer proposal is it's flexible. If you, it's a five-year proposal, but suddenly things go great, you can pay that proposal off earlier with no penalty, no interest. You can get yourself back on track. So for so many people, they find a consumer proposal is just that life-saving option that they've been looking for. And it's far superior to borrowing from a bank and doing debt consolidation that way. Such a great, such a great um, uh, piece to leave us. And I want to suggest if you're not entirely sure or you missed some pieces, the website sans-trustee.com is just filled with so many great questions and really easy to understand answers. And of course, making that first phone call and sitting down with somebody to walk through the process. That's what these people are all about at Sands and Associates. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.